So welcome to uh, another episode of the podcast, and I'm here with Eric Hallett. And uh, Eric, I've known Eric for a long time. We we kind of go way back, and uh, so I thought I'd, I'd uh, pick his pick his brain today. And so what what is your official title? What is your ministry role right now? I want to make sure I get it right. District Superintendent. Okay. Central Canada District. Okay. So. Yeah. so uh, so district superintendent of, of uh, Central Canada District for the Wesleyan Church. That's, That's right. Okay. So, That's right. Uh, but let's uh, let's kind of back up a little bit from that. We can sure. we can kind of work our way there. But uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your your background, like your spiritual bio, your history, and, and yeah. we'll just kind of take it from yeah. there. I uh, grew up in Woodstock, New Brunswick, and uh, came to faith at the Wesleyan Church there uh, when I was eight years old. And grew up in the youth group. Uh, Larry Mitchell was my first youth pastor. Right. And then Dale McDonald followed him. <laughs> oh, so you had like the superstars. I have had the best of the best right. the whole way. And that was where... Uh, I'm actually going to be in Woodstock this weekend. So. Man, say hi to yeah. them. Yeah, right. Faith was yeah. formed in, yeah. in that uh, incubator uh, with, with those guys who just poured into us. And so it was amazing to grow up in... Um, in that environment and uh, to be uh, challenged um, in a similar way in an earlier era, you know, before you formed um, your ministry here at Kingswood, uh, there were there was Yes Corps and there was Life Corps and there was these kind of opportunities for teens and to yeah be... I used to work for Yes Corps in the there summers. you go yeah so, yeah. Yeah. so I was I, Yes Corps was my first uh, mission and that was in Denver Colorado in 1985 to help plant a church and then Life Corps in Calais Maine in the summer of '86 and then arrived here on campus and. Uh, uh, you were our English literature professor. I, I was. I did that it, for like 15 years. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and just enjoyed that, you know, so much. And of course, you're you're now an institution, 38 years here. So congratulations <laughs> on that. It's, I, yeah, I've never been called an institution before. I've been, <laughs> you, I've, been, been, I've been told I might, maybe I should be in an institution. You've but, been you here know. for half of the existence of this uh, college, of this university. Just well, about. I've never almost. really even thought about that. So, but you're probably right. You, you know, arrived right. around year forty-ish, and right. you've been here thirty-eight. So, right. well, you've done your homework, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, I, and and, uh, and I'm so glad too because uh, this is what happens when you don't have a life plan, kids. So you know, <laughs> you just get young. You just get to seem younger, and I get to seem older, and it's weird. But uh, yeah, your mentorship, um, and then uh, of course. Us traveling together in those years uh, was really formative for me to to watch you growing as a communicator. Um, you were, of course, teaching communication, but then to watch you take it out to the churches, and uh, you were you were really growing and honing your skills in those yeah, years. Yeah, I was really really green, like and uh, like that was like. The, I, I have really fond memories of that year too, where we were just kind of out on the road every weekend yeah. and uh, going to all these little churches, and it's just kind of middle of nowhere, and yeah. uh, and and just really getting a taste of that yeah. that kind of ministry. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And so, so that's that's the form formative part, and then uh, to I've had just opportunities to uh, continue, you know, um, mission trips to Mexico, a couple times to Haiti. Served for a year with the Wesleyan Church um, in uh, half the year in Europe, half the year in northeastern United States, back just coming out of Kingswood, 
planted a church in Maine and uh, have served a large church in Florida, served in St. John at a medium-sized church at uh, SJ1, and uh, for the last... uh, 12 years, have been in Brockville, served Centennial Road Church, which was the flagship of the Standard Church, and then, of course, um, post-merger, I was was the first pastor post-merger, had a wonderful um, predecessor in uh, Lawrence Croswell. Oh, yeah, what a great man. Incredible man, and then uh, followed him, and then followed Peter Rigby into the district superintendency, and uh, Don Hodgins, then Peter Rigby. Don recruited me. Uh, to Central Canada, and so yeah, it four kids, uh, beautiful wife, and incredible, incredibly blessed. You know the whole journey, and the opportunity still to uh, disciple people along the way. I'm still involved in my local church. I've got a, a group of guys that I uh, am in a discipleship group with, and love it. So yeah, yeah, and your and your job is kind of like being a pastor to the pastors, yeah. which yeah. is a you know big part of. Being a district superintendent, along with the administration, and yeah, all the, COVID all the uh, has made that really interesting. It, <laughs> the, the pastoral side of this has had to come to the fore in many cases, right? right because yeah. pastors are some tired. of those old school pastor skills that yeah, you know, it, maybe it, were it, downplayed before that. It, it matters. It matters big time, and it's mattered big time for yeah for our pastors in terms of just sus- being a sustaining presence in this time. And I will say this, our churches are remarkably resilient. Just uh, what I've seen of our churches, um, you know, no perfect church, no perfect denomination of any, uh, you know, in any way, but the resiliency of our people primarily, sometimes it's been the people that have been sustaining the pastors. And I think that speaks to the, the strong scriptural commitment, a commitment to disciple-making that is part of the DNA of our Wesleyan churches. So I'm, you know, I, I am a company man, of course, and I'm speaking, you know, on behalf <laughs> right, of, of right. a district that I love, and I love the Atlantic District as well. And, P- and Peter Moore is a dear friend, uh, Dr. Elliot as national superintendent. We've got a good, we're company men, we love it. But I'm saying that more even just on a, on a basis of just the humanness of what's been happening and how much uh, it's been a joy and an honor to watch the people of our churches just say, okay, what do we have to do? What, what does it mean for us to live out our faith in this crisis circumstance? And what's it gonna, you know, what does it mean for us to share the love of Jesus in our community? We're ready, we're, let's go. And, and so I think in the long run, um, there's just been some wonderful uh, ways of people stepping up, even though none of us would wish these circumstances on any right, right, on anybody, right, right? Right. So, yeah, and so, uh, and in Ontario, you've been um, like right up until recently, probably you you've been under a little more of a kind of heavy lockdown in things yeah. than. Uh, than out here, out east. You're so, beginning to understand yeah, here in New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely are are in that zone now where it's uh, you know, and so I'm 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 nicknaming this the the winter of our discontent. I'm there hoping that I'm wrong, but there you go. Uh, but I, I think we're I think we're going to have some uh, some adjusting and some cranky people and you know all those kind of kind of things. So what? Um, so how did you like? How did you? What are some of the ways that you adjusted? Uh, kind of as 
kind of dealing with the dealing with the crisis, but also with with uh, some of the government regulations and you know all those kind now, of things. Watching our our pastors, we we of course you know in the Wesleyan Church, which it's I think it's a selling point. Every local church, of course, has uh, the ability to have a lot of freedom contextually in mission in their community. So, And we give a lot of freedom to our pastors and churches. But what that means is we can have you know, one church where um, you know, the pastor is making it as, as uh, free as possible for anti-maskers and these kind of... Right. And then at the other side, we have, we have the super compliant, but somehow God has allowed us to, um, to stay really well-knit together, even though we're... And we're so spread across Canada. We go from Montreal to Victoria, okay. right? Like, it's right. crazy. Most of our churches are concentrated in Eastern Ontario, but watching the... Just the, the sense of people saying to their pastors... You know things that they would have never said before. When in terms of going digital and in terms of all the adjustments you've heard about and talked about, um, but to watch the people say, "Pastor, whatever it takes," whether it's a drive-in service like Kevin Wilson does in right. Pembroke, Ontario, right. uh, to going completely digital like they did at the bridge. Uh, basically, they shut it down in March of 2020, and they just opened in September of. Of twenty one. Yeah, that's a long stretch. It was a stretch, yeah, yeah. and uh, but contextually, they felt that was best for their mission to that community, and so and out of that, uh, that church has you know made a declaration. Their pastor, who's from Sussex, Scott Landry, uh, made a declaration. We're now two campuses. We're we're a digital campus and we're a physical campus, and so. Uh, that's been beautiful to watch their people come around that mission. And uh, so we've, we've run the gamut in terms of responses, but to watch the people say, okay, missionally, what do we have to do to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus in this time? And so all the great practical uh, sides of, of the ministry environment that, that you have led so well in praxis, you know, watching churches just say, okay, what can we do and what do we need to change in order to be the most effective in our local community? So I'm bragging them up. I, right, I, right. I'm so thrilled with uh, the group of pastors that I get to work with. And even though in, in some cases they're tired, in some cases, because we're human, right? It's just human uh, to watch the, you know, our friends who are just dealing with fatigue dealing with uh, the extra stresses, dealing with carrying the pressures of trying to, you know, decide how do we, how do we navigate this week? How do we navigate this regulation or this new thing? And it is almost a weekly thing, yeah. It has, it has felt that way. And the minute you feel like you've got some kind of handle, there's a new twist, right? And, uh, but to watch our people has been a joy, you know, to see them. Yeah, I was, I, I was actually on the phone with a, with well, there were probably like one of the most like positive upbeat pastors that I know, and and he confessed to me today that he was like he was like I'm really just I'm discouraged. He was like half of my church. I feel like no matter what I do, like uh, he comes from an area where uh, there hasn't been a lot of COVID, so there's a lot more right. people who haven't got a vaccination because they really haven't felt the need to. Right, and and he and he was like he was like. I feel like no matter what decision I make, I'm going to like disappoint half of the church, like yeah. <laughs> because half are on one side and half are on on the other, and so that's a that is a 
it's like a hard thing for pastors to navigate. It's very difficult, but but they are navigating it. They are making the choices, and they are prioritizing mission. And to and once they're through the fact, and you know, because they're you know, there's no pleasing everybody, and that's just the fact. And once we grieve that and get through that, then watching watching our churches and our pastors and our people say, okay, it, it's crystallizing them missionally. Now, in some cases, the of course the 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 social Christian, if that's the word, or the uh, cultural Christian, the person who's there because it's normal to go to church, that's pretty much obliterated right at this point. But it is leaving this missional core. Their, their exit has been accelerated, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, and 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 it's over, right? The, right. The showing up, you know, showing up to church for business reasons or cultural reasons, like that. That's over, and. And so now there's this missional core, and I think out of this there is going to be um, emerging mission and ministry, you know, built on the tradition of the faith and the scriptures. That's that is going to be exciting, but I think we still have to live through this next little while, praying that the world doesn't um, get more volatile <laughs> than right, it is right, right now. Right. Which which you know. Who knows which direction this is going to go overall? We all kept hoping, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Right. And that's approaching two years ago, a year and a half ago. So, <laughs> two years to flatten the spirit. Right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, so we've we've had we we've been dealing here with with some uh, like in the east with some some controversy either you know in Christians, I've seen uh, Christians come down on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, I'm thinking. I can think in my mind right now of two, two people that I know pretty well. Uh, you know, I know them personally, and and I'm watching them post stuff online. And and one of them is, one of them like is the you know the vaccines are our savior, and the other one is like the vaccines are the antichrist. Right. And and I'm I'm kind of in the middle going. The vaccines are man-made vaccines, and they seem to be. I would guess they have about a sixty percent. Success rate, <laughs> and right. so like, I, I wouldn't double down on either side too too much because, nice. uh, because I you know I don't think it's it's really one extreme or, or the other. So, have have you uh, dealt with some of that in Ontario? The the just the politicization and the extreme yeah, extreme views of you know absolutely. They we have uh, an MP. Um, I don't know. Uh, not too far from where I live, and he's been the the um, the champion of no more lockdowns. So right, you see all right. kinds of signs, no more lockdowns, and then at the same time you have, um, you know, you have Mr. Ford, who you would not have expected to to um, you know bring bring as tight of systems as he has, but uh, at the same time, every here's what I've I've really come to the conclusion that everyone in their sphere wants the best. Right. And this this thing is so complex that I, I'm convinced that 99.5% of those who serve in government and who are making decisions, whether it's New Brunswick or Ontario or at the federal level, I'm, I'm convinced that they believe they're doing God's work, or at least the good work. Right, the right thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, doing the right thing. And so that... 
what had what I had to go through personally, and what I'm trying to help pastors go through, is to acknowledge the the fact that we've had to go through the stages of grief. And somewhere in those five stages, there's anger. Right. I got stuck there really early. Now, none of my pastors would know that. Right. But I got stuck in there because sometimes as pastors, we're these friendly guys, and we're just we're wearing the smile. But in truth, um, we deal with that anger internally. And change, uh, nobody likes change except a wet baby, right? right like, right. and so, and so, for many of us, we've had to deal with those stages of grief, figure out where we get stuck in the middle uh, of that, and and come to that place of of peace on the other side or acceptance. And I believe that God's been so good to me to give me friends from all perspectives to help uh, process this. Our friends on Facebook generally are thinking out loud. Right. They're processing. Facebook's become, and, and Instagram, social media, even TikTok to whatever degree, right. has become a place... <laughs> as much as there is thought on TikTok. Yeah, I which know, is... that 10 seconds or whatever it is. <laughs> but the, that sense of a place to process out loud and get feedback in real time, I, I really think that's... I tend to shy away from processing my thoughts there. Every now and then on Twitter, I'll post something. But in terms of, uh, you know, just in terms of, of processing, people need to process. People need to be to have that opportunity to get through these stages of grief. And so trying to help people understand in your humanness, in how God wired you up, you're going to go through these stages of grief because this much change, you're going to have to process it. Right. And, and so that's what's happening and uh, trying to help. So, like I say, I had to get through the anger stage. And that can at be one very point. like just even acknowledging that there are stages and that it is grief. Right, can be very helpful for people because we don't tend to think of it in those terms. Yeah, but it is a it, there is a grieving of things lost. Yeah. And then a figuring out of what does moving forward look like, right? Well, you think about you. You referenced our, you know, my formative years, my years around Kingswood. Think of how free we felt. We didn't realize, you know, that wow, this can this can be constricted, right? Right at levels. And I, one of the things that I'm finding, Mike, is that the Bible. Is begin is has come alive in ways that I never imagined it would. So I'll give you just a, a an example from, you know, preaching a, a sermon about Christmas. So ten years ago, right. One of the thoughts that would go through my mind is, how do I get Canadians to understand that a Roman government could could actually impose a tax right. system that would that would force a young couple to my to, that are eight months pregnant to migrate from their hometown with no amenities and whatnot, and and just say you're going right. like you will do this right. And so ten years ago, you're trying to help free feeling Canadians try to understand that story of of number one being feeling like it's an occupying government. So you try to use those analogies, but now. Oh, government can do stuff. Right, right. <laughs> like it's not that hard to grasp. We, now, right? we understand this. And I mean, you've traveled the yeah. world, so you've been in countries where there's more or less freedom and whatnot. But for many Canadians, when I would be trying to bring together the, the message of Christmas, one of the things you have to help them understand is the context of what was going on. Well, I think we have most of our populace now 
understands, oh, when Caesar wants to get something done, right. Caesar can get something done. Right. <laughs> so, so the Bible's coming to life, but it's also coming to life in ways of when, you know, when plagues are mentioned in the Bible, you know, now we've got, at least in a modern sense, we have an idea, oh, uh, that was a plague. Right. You, do, you respond in right. certain ways in those times. And, and it's also bringing to life just the sense of, uh, of what's happening right now being transitional. You know, I mean, we're the great reset, all of these kinds of terms, they're being used for a reason because there's COVID is happening. And uh, as um, one of Mr. Obama's, um, uh, you know, deputies, he was mayor of Chicago. I'm, I'm trying; his name escapes me. But he said, "Never waste a crisis." Right. So there are there are macro things happening uh, all around us that that we don't have control over, and it is this world. And there are principalities and powers, like Ephesians talks to us about, like Paul presents in Ephesians in Ephesians six, talking about the principalities and the powers. I think many of us now can begin to understand, okay, there are forces at work and we don't necessarily, we the people don't always determine what happens with these forces. And so the Bible's coming to life in new ways. And so it's allowing us to ask questions that are, okay, so uh, when I follow Jesus, you know, that, that obviously doesn't mean Nice house, nice car, nice job, nice pension, right. nice every, you know, that's been kind of a little bit North American-ish. And I mean, you've traveled the world, you know, and you've been in mission situations where you've seen joy uh, that didn't have anything to do with material yeah, goods, Yeah, it doesn't right? have to be connected to the material at all. And right. so we're learning that. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so watching the Bible come to life, and then, you know, just in the sense of what the people of Israel, uh, Esther was my devotional reading last week, and, you know, you're reading about the political intrigue, and you're reading about the fact that these, these how there are forces at work that want to bring harm to God's people, and then God acts on behalf of his people, and sometimes it's after 70 years, you know, God, right. and God is acting, and God has a story, and God's story is bigger, and so um, all of us as, that, that serve Christ through the church, through ministry, uh, we're getting this picture now to say, oh, I, you know, when Paul talks about suffering for Christ, and, you know, Peter talks about that privilege to suffer, it's, we, we've had the tiniest, tiniest little taste, but it's allowing us to, to turn to Jesus. And I am praying for that, for, for that revival moment that is going to draw, you know, so many back to Christ because of these circumstances. So, right. Yeah. And I think, I think like we're, we're all figuring out, you know, the Bible says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's, and we're figuring out where that line is, like what, yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 balancing out uh, like all the verses in Romans about yeah. obey, being yeah, Romans obedient 13. to those in authority right. and following the law, like we don't right. want to break the law, uh, you know, yeah. just as a as a default mode, but but also balancing that out with like Acts chapter five, where uh, you know where they were. The disciples are being told not to preach the gospel, and they say, we have to obey God, not men, yeah, right? And men. so, like, there's a tension there, right, Yeah. in, in those two things. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I don't—I uh, think some Christians are 
treating the regulations as persecution and having been in countries where there is real persecution, like we're nowhere near that. And I think what you said about uh, the government having, like I think everybody wants to get back to normal. You know, we, we should... We should give people the benefit of the doubt and have like they do have good intentions. We may have different definitions of how we're going to get there. Right. And we can argue about that and debate about that. But uh, but I don't think we're in a in like in a, an us and them uh, kind of situation uh, yet. And so so we've got to. It's just like figuring all that out is it, it, people do have to process that. You know, Absolutely. And, yeah. and any us and them us and them that's happening often is is in service to somebody's goals that we that we you know we have no idea now there's cuz I'm not saying there's not dangerous things happening right right because uh in the sense of uh th- that's the principalities and powers but we're called to you know we control the controllables and we're called to abandon ourselves to Jesus who is the king who has been crowned the king he he is the resurrected king and uh, at the same time, we're in that already not yet space, and there's a certain, you know, the principalities and powers are going to do what they do, and uh, so that's, that's where we are in this moment. I, I, uh, one of the things that's helped me is I read a book about 12 years ago called The Fourth Turning, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book, but it's Strauss and Howe, and they... Uh, they wrote in fourth turning, they wrote about the seasons. It's amazing you mentioned winter, but they talked about the fact that every 80 years or so, there's a massive upset in right. Anglo American culture. And so if you take it back 80 years, your your World War II and the Great Depression, 80 years prior to that, Civil War, 80 years prior to that, the revolution, you know, to form the the first 13 states of the Union. And uh you know, 80 years before that, they're, they're colonizing, they're moving out. And so we're, we're, something's happening. And I don't know who runs all this. I don't know. And God sets up the times and seasons as well. And so, because we have in that story of Christmas, once again, you've got these wise people, wise men from the East who are interpreting the signs Right, and they they were not necess- they weren't raised in Sunday school, right. but they, they interpreted the signs and understood there's something massive happening right now in Bethlehem, right. and made we, their we, way we there. Got to go be a part of it, right? right? Yeah. yeah, and it's just like yeah, we're gonna go be you know join this this parade, right? right? And so uh, right now, I think that's helped me, Mike, because the at the micro level of this thing, I mean, we could be just. We, we could be in a constant state of, ten, and we are, even right. just living right now, we're in a constant, but we could drive ourselves into so much more, you know, my stomach could be in knots 24-7, especially if I'm consumed by what's in the media and the ways that people are at each other's throats. And so what's helped me is to go on a more macro and just to say, okay, in in all of biblical history, all of history... You know, uh, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. And somehow in the midst of it, we live our stories. And, you know, this is probably anti-postmodern a little bit in the midst of the meta narratives and the meta story. And so I, I choose to live according to the story that's, that is presented in the scripture, the revelation of the Trinitarian God. 
And so, it, you know, that's helping me right. along the way. That's yeah. just a little bit of encouragement. If, if somebody's listening and they are caught up in the, in the battles that are happening, and we can't help but notice, right? Right. Because it's all around us. But, man, get in, dive back into the scripture and understand it's all happened before, right? right? The, I, I, and, I and I think Satan like is into chaos, right? He drives right. chaos, and, right? Uh, yeah. And so a good a good prayer for right now is is to wake up every day and say, like Jesus, how can I be a person of peace today? Like how can I and how can I is... step into those situations and and be be a voice of of peace rather than chaos? And it's uh, transformational. Because then you invite the peace of Christ into your life, and then you you do you you actually become something so different, you know, right? right yeah. Than the, than the average person that's trying just yeah. to cope. Well, and I'm a and I'm a fighter, man. Like I could like I read one time like I was doing a family history thing, and uh, you know I looked something up online, and it said it basically said that the McNeils fought with everything and everyone in Scotland, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like my family. Yeah. Like we, our main form of communication was fighting with each other, right? And so yeah. I'm wired that way. Yeah. And so I have to work at being like a person of peace. Yeah. I have to work at not reacting, but responding. You know how the, the scripture where, uh, you know, it's Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Yeah. And it's like yeah. responding, yeah. responding to God like putting God in between you and whatever else is going on yeah. so that you can respond to what you see, where you see God in the situation yeah. rather than just reacting to it. Right. Yeah. And, and we're so. so blessed as Christians to have that, that community. And that's where, like I say, maybe the cultural Christian has fallen off, but the missional community side is, is vibrant and brilliant and literally brilliant. Like and brilliant meaning the light, right? And Jesus, of course, you know we're we're salt and light, and uh, and so uh, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here. Right, this is right. this is a you know it's a very challenging moment. It's a challenging time. Uh, we're in. We are in. Some you know they use words like the Great Reset for for a reason because there's something happening in a this world sense that most of us uh, it's above our pay grade. Right, as far as what's happening, we probably don't want to be in those rooms where those things are being decided, and and yet we we transcend all that through Christ because we're in the we're in the throne room of heaven, which is the highest of the high, which which has dominion and authority over all of these principalities and powers and right. all these diseases and all you know all governments, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and it's going to, it will be marvelous. Like it will, the Bible uses that word, word, it's marvelous. It's going to be amazing. And, uh, and so here we are, here we are. And, uh, I hope this is encouraging, you know, to, uh, to your audience and, uh, hope to be encouraging to the students, you know, through this visit and, uh, yeah, loving it. So, yeah, and I th I think probably like if if we had a pinpoint like when was the last major disruption in culture like a time when it just would, would it would seem like to the previous generation that things were just going crazy like I, I automatically think of the '60s right. and uh, and just all the upheaval that was happening then and uh, and I take I take great uh, 
comfort in the fact that we're like right after the right after the uh, kind of crisis of the of the '60s, all that turmoil, kind of moving into the early '70s. You had the Jesus movement, yeah. You know, because people came to the end of themselves, right? They, and they came to the end of of like, okay, we tried all the human solutions, yeah, and uh, and and they didn't work, and so there was this massive turning of young people to god right and uh and i think that uh i think that possibility is all like how we respond there that possibility is always there well it's bubbling under the surface i believe even now people people are looking for for answers and of course there are those who are critical uh, you know of our churches and and of the church and that the church is the human institution side just like the community of Israel, right? Lots of sin, lots of problems, lots. I mean, it's made up of us. You know, right, we're right. humans, and yet at the same time, God, God's plan marches forward in the midst of a history that I think is a cyclical history that is spiraling upwards to a to a climax. So it's not just a literal. It's not just a linear history, but I think. I think history moves biblically and in, in through Revelation in these cycles because God created the signs and the, you know, He puts the stars and the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavens, uh, so that we can understand the times and the seasons, and it, these four seasons keep going and going. But I do believe that there is going to be that moment of uh, of the ultimate revealing of Christ, which is going to be, you know, as I said, it's going to be incredible. But yet at this, we, we go through these, these seasons. And I think this is somewhat of a winter, like we, and I don't know how much longer this lasts. Um, I could see it going a few more years. I really wish it wouldn't <laughs> right. right on a human scale. You wish you, we were back into the springtime, right? you know, and, uh, but yeah, that's the theory. These fourth turning guys—they have a theory that that these this this eighty to hundred year saculum or saculum they call it—that it moves in just like the season in cycles. Yeah, yeah in yeah. these cycles of spring, summer, winter, uh, spring, summer, winter, fall, uh, fall, winter, and so it would it would seem that we're in the winter of this right. <laughs> of this situation, and uh, yeah, praying that we don't get into some kind of all out. Uh, kinetic kind of a, a wartime situation because often these are marked by war, you right. know, and and uh, not that a lot of the world hasn't experienced war because they have, and we we've just been so blessed not to in our lifetime in this neck of the woods um, to understand. Yeah, and even story. things like um, even things like going into a grocery store and seeing some of the shelves empty, right. uh, like those are all shocking things to right. Canadians, but yeah. But normal in a lot of parts of the world. Yeah, and their supply so, uh, chains yeah, weren't yeah. tickety boo, right? Were right, right. <laughs> so, you so have... there's a lot of that. That you know, there's a lot of adjustment to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but it helps to get a broader, a bigger right. picture. Uh, you know, it helps to to look at the the thing from from a biblical history standpoint, because then you're like, okay, w this this temporary trial or wh where we are. We're still living materially, you know, as privileged as any humans who have ever oh, lived yeah, top, on the face yeah. of the earth, right? Top shelf. We're, we're like the top 5% of all time, right? Yeah. In terms of even, and even and we live in the, even the poorest of us right. here is the wealthiest of the world. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so just bringing the plane down for a landing sure. here. Uh, I usually leave a, a little 
kind of spot at the end for uh, if you had, like, where, where do you see... Where do you see the church going in Canada kind of coming out of this? Do you have any sense of, of like how things might look a little different? Um, you know, because we're, we're kind of addicted to doing church the same way we've always done church, or at least for like the last hundred years. But there's a lot of different ways to do church. Like what do you, if you, if, when you look into the future, are you predicting any things? Or? Well, the trends that, that I'm paying attention to are the new Canadians, uh, because if you look at... Uh, white Anglo White Anglo Saxon Protestants. That birth rate is like, right. know, it's it's down right. down somewhere very very almost to zero. Like it's right. crazy, right? I'm waiting and, to forty and I'm having a half a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. it's bananas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's not a critique. That's just right. a reality. Just the way it is. That's right. what yeah. where we are. So new Canadians are the hope and the future uh, of Christianity in this country right now. When you know, when you think about movements and where they're going to come from and where where Christ will will come, so watching you know how we respond, and I think this is even coming to Atlantic Canada, which Atlantic Canada was kind of that last bastion of you know um, the place where you know just getting older and older and older. Right. So younger people, you know, I'm praying that new Canadians are gonna are gonna be here in Atlantic Canada, Central Canada, across Canada. And um, in many in many cases, they're bringing their faith with them. They're you know they're 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 bringing other faiths as well. But I guess I'm praying that 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 move and that change that God will will be revealed through these new Canadians, and that that will provide renewal. I don't think there would be much of a, a well. I got to say this in the right way. When you think about the larger legacy churches, Roman Catholicism, United Church. They're they are hanging on, or they they are surviving because of new Canadians right. coming in and being the renewal. And I think for for us in the in the Protestant churches in the evangelical so called evangelical world, I think we have to look um, to the new Canadians to refresh who we are, and then we have to we have to continue to stay scripturally grounded. And I think we have to rediscover some of the tradition of the church going all the way back to the early fathers rather than just simply living off of, you know, what, what has really been good to me over time, but that, that kind of evangelical success culture, right. that is not sustaining us. It will not sustain us. Um, and so we, we have to dive deep back into the roots of this thing. Uh, Wesley himself... John Wesley, who is kind of our our spiritual father in the faith, he was in a movement in England that was they had rediscovered the church fathers, the pre one thousand year one thousand fathers, and Methodism is kind of this interesting conglomeration of Anglicanism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and uh, whatever you know had been inherited out of the Roman Catholic system, all put together. So I think, Mike, that that for us in Canada, it's just going to be vital that we understand we're part of this of God's grand story, and that we've got to we've just got to think beyond these last forty years, and we've got to think, you know, basically through the four to six thousand years of of Christian history, and try to dive back in there. and And I think Method, Wesleyan Methodism, we have got the DNA to to be able to process that. And so I'm excited, uh, you know, in the in the long term over this. It's not exciting to see churches 
you know, demographically affected in, in especially in our rural, because we were, our strength was rural, right? Right. And so now we have to, we have to figure out new Canadians in the urban areas without abandoning our rural roots. And we celebrate the best of that. So that's who we, that's who we need to be. That's, I'm excited about what God's doing. And I sense that God's, God is doing a new thing. Uh, I don't think the great reset is God's, but I think God's, whatever human resets are happening, God's going to use that for his glory long-term. Well, that sounds like a really good place to end. Like thanks, a brother. nice positive note there. So <laughs> thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to, to, uh, to come today and to, uh, to share. And it was, it was good. Yeah, good to see you. It's an honor, Mike. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So I will, I will, I will turn off the camera. And, uh, <laughs> at the last part of that.